Okay, so as we get started today, the first thing I want to do is introduce our theme. Um, we, have, we have our screens up here. We typically won't have screens um, during Bible study, but today I wanted to be able to share that with you. And so our theme verse this year is from Philippians 3, verse 14. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so our, our theme for, the, for our Mount Calvary women's ministry this year is taken from that, it's press on. And what I wanna do today is I wanna just dive into this verse and understand what did Paul mean by that? And then we can talk about how we can apply that to us. So we have the verse, we've got, we're gonna press on. And you'll notice that word, here, I think I have a different screen. I have a different verse so you can see it better. Okay. So a lot of times when we wanna look at what is the original meaning, that's the whole point. Like when we're reading scripture, we wanna make sure that we first ask ourselves, what did the author mean? So we look at the verse, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And feel free to open your Bibles to the verse if you want. Maybe you want to write some things down. It's, it's up to you. So I decided to look up that phrase, press on. What does it mean? Blue Letter Bible is a great resource. If you haven't um, used that, you can look up the Greek transliteration. You can look up the Hebrew uh, for the Old Testament. But the word for press on is the Greek word um, dioko. And according to Strong's definition, it means to run swiftly in order to catch some person or thing. So we're running after, that's what we're thinking of. So Paul is talking to us in this verse about running after something. What are we running after? Now I, y'all are gonna know, I love me some New Living Translation. I just find that it is so much easier to read and to understand. And so I looked up the verse in the New Living Translation and I really loved what it said because it gave us a little more depth. It says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm running toward, I'm pressing on toward the end of a race. Okay, that's great and I'm gonna get a prize at the end. Ooh, a heavenly prize. Ooh, that's great, look at that. So then I was looking in my commentary and the commentary for my New Reformation Study Bible says that Paul invokes the athletic imagery of the Panhellenic Games to characterize, catch this, the purposeful striving involved in the Christian perseverance and faith. So I've got a race, a prize, and they're talking about purposeful striving. Okay, it's making a little bit more sense now, just a little bit more sense. Now I'm like, what are Panhellenic Games? I don't know what that is. So I looked that up too. And that's a term, in case you were wondering, the Panhellenic Games is a term used to describe four separate sporting events in ancient Greece. Each of the four games would honor a different Greek god. Our modern example would be the Olympics. The Olympics originally were started like in 776 BC. They honored the Greek god Zeus, in case you were wondering. So if we look back at our verse, we're seeing that Paul is trying to get us to see, 
And I believe what he's saying is, okay guys, press on like runners do in an organized competition, right? That's what he's saying, press on like a runner in a race. Got it. So, so all right, so let's get this picture of we're runners. I am not a runner. Don't like running. I'm allergic to it, honestly. I'll tell you that story another day. <laughs> but, um, but we're going to imagine for a minute that we are athletes, that we are running. We're a serious athlete. We're preparing for the Olympics. We've been purposely striving for this goal our entire life. Everything that we've done has involved around running, racing, and training. By the time we get to the Olympics, and we make that Olympic team, we've, we are spending over 1,100 hours per year training. We've competed in so many races, we've lost count. We've sacrificed everything for that moment when we cross the finish line and receive a gold medal. Woo, right? And I think that's what Paul is telling us that our Christian life should be like. Our Christian life should, should be purposefully, intentionally, persevering in our race. Well, what's our race? That's our Christian walk. Until we reach the finish line and we get our prize. In those ancient games, there was no prize for second place. Only the winner got a prize. Um, and um, so, and the only prize that they would get, they didn't get any money. All they got was a wreath made out of olive leaves, put it on their head like a crown, and I guess you would get bragging rights. That's all you'd get. But still, it was worth it. These athletes would still press on to win their race. The race is important. Winning was better. And I think that's what Paul is trying to get us to see here in Philippians 3.14. He is talking about how he is purposefully striving toward the goal. Again, think about that intentionality if you're training for the Olympics. He's relentlessly pursuing his goal. And no matter what obstacle comes in his way, he presses on. He wants to finish the race and he wants to win the prize. Now, Paul talked about races in other places as well. It wasn't just in Philippians 3.14. Um, can someone read for us 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27? Oh, Marta. Do you not know that those who run in a, in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Awesome. So in there, um, Paul is again talking about a race. And most scholars believe that the particular race that Paul was talking about was the Isthmian Games. It's one of those Panhellenic Games. It honored, um, this one honored Neptune, Poseidon, I think, yes. Um, and it would be held every two years in Corinth. And remember, Paul was in Corinth. Some of the scholars think that Paul probably made tents 
and things for people who attended these games. So he was very familiar with them. But if you'll remember in that verse that Marta read, he talked about the perishable crown or the perishable wreath. These athletes were running for something that is perishable. Now, for the, I looked it up. I thought this was kind of cool. On the screen here, you can see this is a celery wreath. For the Isthmian Games, the winners wouldn't get an olive leaf crown. They would get one made of celery leaves. And, I, you know, you think about it. It's like, okay, well, how long do you think that's going to last? Not very long. <clears throat> now, they later, this is another side note that I found very interesting. They later changed it to pine and made pine wreaths because pine was apparently Neptune's favorite. Whatever. <laughs> so, so they are running these races, you know, intentionally pursuing their goal. Uh, you know, every effort is being put into a wreath made of celery that is perishable, right? But Paul says that our wreath, our crown, is what? Imperishable. Imperishable. So if we look back at our theme verse, we can say, hey, we are pressing on. Um, we are pressing on toward an imperishable prize. That's, that's what we're doing. We're pressing on towards something that is imperishable. We purposely strive toward that. But what is it? What's the prize? What is the imperishable prize? So again, we look back at Philippians 3.14. Paul says the prize of the upward call of God. Again, the ESV does not help me understand that. It just doesn't help me. So I go back to my New Living Translation. And it talks about a heavenly prize. Okay, all right. That makes a little more sense to me. It's a heavenly prize. A heavenly imperishable prize. So there's another commentary. Again, I'm like, I really, I need some help here. I need help understanding. So I look up another commentary. This is from the Reformation Study Bible on this verse. It says, the objective of Paul's striving promises a splendid trophy. Ah, here's some more information. Salvation in all its fullness. Okay, our, our imperishable prize is salvation in all its fullness. That's great. But what does that look like? What does salvation in all its fullness look like? Salvation in all its fullness is the completed process of sanctification. Well, what's sanctification? Sanctification is the process of becoming like Christ. So I really needed some help now. I really needed some help. So I went to John MacArthur. And his book on systematic theology helps to explain things. He says... Paul notes that his own sanctification is incomplete, so he continually presses on toward the goal of the heavenly prize, i.e. becoming like Christ. The sanctification that begins definitively at regeneration necessarily continues throughout the entirety of the Christian life. This continuous aspect of sanctification, sanctification is called progressive sanctification. So when we're born again, like our position as enemies of God 
changes immediately. We are no longer enemies of God. We are made right with him immediately. But we are not immediately like Christ. We are a work in progress. Our Christ-likeness is severely lacking at that moment. Steve Lawson writes, Paul is acknowledging that he has not come to a point in his spiritual life where he can say he's arrived. There is still much spiritual growth for him to realize in his Christian life. And isn't that the story of all of us? I mean, of all the people, if Paul wasn't, if Paul didn't think he was where he needed to be, I know I'm sure not where I need to be either, but we're all on a journey. We're all in the process of running our race, moving toward our sanctification, of becoming more like Christ. Remember, the prize is full sanctification when we are like Christ and the race that we run is our spiritual growth. Here's more from my man, John MacArthur. He says, believers are not conformed to the image of Christ in an instant, but rather they experience a progressive transformation into his image by degrees. Thus the Holy Spirit's work in believers will cause them to increase in sanctification throughout their Christian lives. So that's where we must continuously press on. We press on toward our sanctification bit by bit, we press on toward becoming more and more like Christ every day. And it's not a sprint, but it's a marathon. Imagine again that runner that we, you know, we talked about a runner earlier. Imagine that. Steve Lawson says it this way. He says, picture the runner widening his stride, pumping his arms, accelerating his legs, and pushing out his chest for the finish line. This is Paul's all-out effort to pursue Christ. Can you see that? Can you see that? Like, You see the finish line, he's going towards it, he's running as fast as he can. Paul understood that Christ Jesus had laid hold of him on the Damascus road and that he must press forward and lay hold of Christ every day of his life. But when do we get the prize? When do we finish the race? When is our sanctification complete? John MacArthur tells us, he says, just as sanctification has a definitive beginning at regeneration, that's when we're born again, and increases throughout one's life, it will also at some point be brought to completion, namely at the end of the believer's life. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul wasn't being a Debbie Downer thinking about his death about finishing the sanctification race. It wasn't about that. Dying for the Christian is just the beginning, right? As he came to the end of his life and his letter to Timothy, he invoked that race imagery again and the prize that was awaiting him. Can somebody read 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 7? Who did I hand that one to? Keep going. Next one. Did I not write? Um, Henceforth, yep. there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So one day, when we take our last breath, we're going to close our eyes, and we're going to wake up in the arms of Jesus. We will have finished our race, 
and we will get our prize and we will be like him and we will know him fully and he will say to us well done my good and faithful servant that is the imperishable crown that we will receive that is the prize for a race well run and the beautiful thing about the Christian race towards Christ is that it doesn't matter who gets there first. It doesn't matter. We all get the imperishable prize. All we have to do is finish the race. And I feel like most of the time our race looks like that, a Venezuelan marathon runner, Mikhail Melamed. I probably butchered his name, but let me show you a picture of Mikhail. There he is. He has a condition similar to muscular dystrophy that results in extremely low muscle tone, making tasks such as walking very difficult. But somehow he still managed to complete, not one, not two, but five complete marathons, 26.3 miles. And here's his story from uprocks.com. It says, Melamed's last marathon was in 2015 and every obstacle seemed stacked against him. He'd run for almost a full day and night. His legs were giving out and he was exhausted. Then on top of everything else, it started not just raining, but pouring. It was night, freezing, and he was soaked. But even with all of that, when almost everyone else would have quit, Melamed kept running. At the end of the race, he was forced to take six steps at a time, rest, and then do it again, and again, and again, until he crossed the finish line more than 20 hours of running at 4.30 a.m. Ladies, that's the kind of determination that Paul is talking about here. We strive to finish the race and win the prize of Christ. It's worth it. But some days we can only take those six steps and we have to rest. And then we take six more steps and we rest. And that's okay because we press on. We keep going. Now, I want to give you another kind of imagery that came to mind as I've been thinking of this. But in order to really get the picture, we've got to get back to Philippians 3. So everybody get your Bibles out, open up Philippians 3, um, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 14. I think I did hand that out. Oh, Laura. Yep. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul knows he hasn't made it. He knows it. He knows he is still nothing like Christ, who is perfect in every way. He still has a long way to go to finish his race. So what does he do? He forgets what lies behind. It's okay to write in your Bibles, underline that. 
He forgets what lies behind and he strains forward to what lies ahead. What lies behind him? Well, his past sin, persecuting Christians. He was the persecutor of persecutors. And that's just saying it nicely, right? His past hardships, including stoning, beatings, shipwrecked, persecution, and prison. His past failures, his past regrets, anything that is keeping him in bondage to sin and shame. He forgets what lies behind. It's gone. He forgets about it. And he presses on to what lies ahead, which is what? The prize of knowing Christ fully. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Free from the chains of sin and shame, death and disease. Steve Lawson writes, Here is Paul's singular passion to know Christ. He is forgetting the past with all its failures and defeats. With an all-absorbing effort, Paul is reaching forward to the finish. The goal is the full knowledge of Christ and full likeness to him. Paul understands he will never fully reach this goal in his lifetime, but he still presses on. Pressing on means that no matter what happened yesterday, we pick up ourselves today and we keep on going because today there is nothing more important than trying to reach that finish line of our lives and hearing Jesus say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Pressing on means that we strive to honor God in everything that we do, even if someone has upset us, offended us, tried to steal our joy, you can fill in all the blanks, even if we still press on. Pressing on means that you pick yourself up even when every muscle in your body says, I can't go another step. And you take a step. You might have to rest, but then you take another step. You figure out what you can do instead of focusing on what you can't do. You press on, you take a step, you honor God in the race that he has laid out for you and you never look back. You keep pressing forward toward the goal of knowing Christ fully. And then one day you will say like Paul did in 2 Timothy 4, 7, of course it's in the New Living Translation because I'm saying it. <laughs> I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race I, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me. And he also said in 1 Timothy 4, 10, he said, This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Our hope is set on the living God, who is waiting for us at the finish line. He's waiting there. So we keep our eyes on him and we press on. So as we close today, here's the image that I want to leave you with. This was, um, this came to me, we were just in Daytona Beach. My husband's mom has a condo that's right on the beach. And back in November last year, they had not one but two hurricanes that came through. And they've had this place there for 20 years now and never ever have they, have they ever had any kind of problems like this. 
So the hurricanes come through. Many of the condos that are right on the beach, they lost their seawalls. Some of them lost their pools. I mean, there was this one condo where there was no, there was no ground all the way up to the edge of this one unit's patio, right? It was just all the way up to there. Um, but they're rebuilding and they are, you know, trying to get back to normal. But as I'm down on the beach that day, this is what's behind me. That's Phil's mother's building. Um, in, the, in the picture on the left, that's her building. That's their seawall and devastation and destruction. The day that I took this picture, there were cranes uh, down the way. You can see the crane there. Like, so, you, so I'm at the beach, and what do I hear? All this machinery, you know, all the things. And you had to be really careful because um, the bulldozers were coming and going, and you wanted to make sure you didn't get run over by a bulldozer. That's what was behind me. But ladies, this is what was in front of me. That is the peace that I want to press towards. Behind me, heavy machines tearing up, cleaning out, noisy, ugly, distracting. But look at the peace that was in front of me. I could forget what was happening behind me because I was pressing forward to the peace in front of me. That's what I want for you ladies. I want you to forget what is past Press on to what is future. Press on towards the prize of Christ. Let's pray.